And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're gonna tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic. Hello everyone, I'm Danny Kelly and this is The View from the Lane, as you know, The Athletic's Top and Hotspur podcast. All thriller, no filler. Yeah, and I'm joined today by two of the great and good from The Athletic, Charlie Eccleshare and Jay's Moore. We're recording this episode before Tottenham's game against FC Mura in the Conference League on Thursday night, so we won't dwell on that particular fixture, but... Charlie, uh, seeing as you've been dispatched to Slovenia and are joining us from your hotel room, why don't you tell us how you found the city of Maribor? Because I think uh, they, we're not playing in Mura's actual hometown. You're in, first of all, welcome. You're in Maribor, Hello. yes? Yes. Yeah, yeah. They play around 30 miles away normally in Mura. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so they're down here. Their stadium's not big enough. It's still a very small stadium. I think it's like 11,000 it hosts and can only be f- uh, half capacity and only about 200 Spurs fans have travelled very nice um very cold and it is a bit quiet there's a 10 p.m curfew so it's a bit there is a bit of that sort of covidy feel but no very it's a very nice place i've, I've been to Ljubljana before i hadn't been here and Ljubljana's I, lovely can i ask you a weird question yesterday Please. i had the privilege of being on um adam hurry's uh, podcast here you know the football cliches on the uh on the athletic, um, I think because you was couldn't sad to do miss it. it I, Danny. Yeah, yeah. I was, the, the bottom of the barrel was scraped, and I, and I, <laughs> I pitched up. Um, and um, one of my pet loves in life is football under communism. Um, now, of course, I am not a Stalinist. Uh, the communism itself, I can definitely live without. Um, but football is there any sign of the old communist world still in, in what used to be Yugoslavia? Any yeah, sign does, at all? It does have that slight feel to it. I think Ljubljana, from from memory anyway, is is a prettier place. This does have more of that kind of brutalist, mm. uh, communist feel. But no um, statues of Felix Zerzinski or anything like that. No, 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 no. There's nothing like that. Certainly not that I've seen. Disappointing, and you and you can't <laughs> and you can't buy hammer and sickle T-shirts and things like that. No. No, I was trying to get you one. Um, uh, X X X L, please. I don't want to be. Looking, <laughs> I don't want to look stupid in my hammer and sickle T-shirt, do I? No, no, no. I'll, I'll keep looking. All right. So they're playing in it, and uh, the stadium. I think you're saying it's not, even though it's quite a small stadium. It won't be. It won't even be full. No, it can only be half. Covid. Full. Yeah. Again, I think that's a, that's a covid thing. Um, how, many, how many Spurs fans are you expecting? A couple of hundred. Wow, amazing. I mean, that's it? all. That, they were only allocated just over that, and whether people make the trip. I mean, also Austria, which most of us had to come via, is in full lockdown. So I think that deterred a few people even though that there's no issue coming here and then going on but yeah so I don't, I don't think it's going to be a sort of carnival atmosphere but we'll uh, we'll see should be fun okay and uh, in, in other news nearer to home James Moore is here with us as well it appears that well it doesn't appear we saw the great Alessandro Del Piero at the training ground this week hey it was lovely and you could see the Spurs players were just amazed to have such a brilliant footballer it's a shame he hasn't got his boots with him because he's he's the exact creative number 10 Spurs need isn't he uh, it's funny you should mention his boots because when, when I was at school, oh. 
the, 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 the kind of rumour, the story that went round at school was that Alessandro Del Piero, and I'm assuming it's just because he had long hair, the rumour was that he wore women's football boots. <laughs> that, that can't possibly have been true. I only, genuinely only thought about this yesterday for the first time in about 20 years, 25 years maybe. That can't possibly be true because, I mean, I don't think they really make specialist football boots for women now. No. Really. And they definitely wouldn't have done in the High-heeled like football boots, yeah. I mean, I, I, just can't, I just can't see anything like that would have existed then. Football mules, yeah. <laughs> also, also, I mean, uh, uh, Son is, what, 29? Kane yeah. is 28. Yeah. Hoiberg, I think, got a picture of him as well and he's mm, 26, Six, maybe, yeah. 27? I'm not, I'm not convinced any of them will really remember Del Piero nope. as a player. I mean, you know, obviously he was a great player. And I, I, I remember watching him play on, on Channel 4 on Football Italia many times. But I'd be surprised if... He was still going there, wasn't he? he? He was in the 2006 yeah, World Cup. Yeah, he played into the World Cup in 2006. He played 19 seasons for Juventus. That's wow. quite a long time, I suppose. Uh, yeah, and... That will, that will linger. But the beautiful thing... He's one thing. of those players who played in Italy, by the way. He's like goal-scoring record. You, you think of him as being like absolutely amazing and then you look and he scored like... Sort of fifty goals over twenty years, like George yeah. Ware's goal scoring record is actually. Yeah. When you look at it, actually quite underwhelming. But but I think that gives it a sort of polish and a culture. He's, he's sort defenses, of too, isn't it, Charlie? Yeah, well, exactly that as well. But it's like he was too cultured to just like bang in loads of goals. It was it was a really like <laughs> it was it was him. yeah it was beneath him. Imagine but, what know. he must have thought of Harry Kane. Well, yeah, exactly. But yeah, those defenses were so mean and stingy. But the, I mean, so and of course, anyway. in that way, the, 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 all all statistics are damn lies, aren't they? Because yeah. Italian football now is every game is four three. Um, mm. They've somebody has worked out that the TV contracts that the Premier League enjoys is because the games are competitive and people try and go on the front foot um, largely. Uh, so they, they're doing the same thing now. And, you know, someone like Blavich, if he stays in Italy and if he goes to Juventus, um, which despite all the rah rah about him coming to Spurs, is what I suspect will happen. If he stays at Juventus for ten years, he, he'll get three hundred goals. The way mm. Italian football is now, um, and, and Del Piero will look like a like a peanut compared to his giant oak um, <laughs> in footballing terms. But we all know better than that. We'll and I don't. Know. I don't care if Hoiberg never saw him play. Isn't that the collective passed on memory of football fans? I mean, I w- I'm old enough to remember Pele playing in the 1970 World Cup, but. The you know the late lamented Hugh McIlvanny knew him and saw him at his absolute peak a few years earlier and you know many nights spent in in, in little dives in Soho I now feel I saw Pele playing as well because it was mm. passed on to me with such fervor and such elegant language and I think we we there's a bit of that and of course don't forget the the Canes and Sons they're of a generation who had access to televised football all as they were growing up they mm. could see all this stuff and the past as well and more particularly now with YouTube and things whereas often you're just cut off with people's vague verbal memories of old footballers. It's changed. But it's funny as well, because actually Hoybier, one of his first footballing memories is crying at the at France losing the 2006 World Cup final to Italy. He, uh, his mum is French um, and he loves Zidane and all of that. And so Del Piero would have been part of that Italy squad that... Um, caused him so much misery. Yeah, one day, when it's a particularly slow week on The View from the Lane, um, I shall expand my theory that there is no past anymore, and this is what we're talking about here, there's only the extended presence. Thanks to electronic media, there is only the extended present, um, and young people have no no concept of the past anymore. Jimi Hendrix is still alive. Okay, um... <laughs> 
they they laugh, but when I'm when I'm picking up the Nobel Prize and they're all hoping to get up on the stage with me, it'd be another story, won't it? Uh, oh, for Dan. Bending time. Oh, Dan. In fact, we oh, didn't didn't we put you onto that first? No, you didn't. Let's talk about uh, Charlie's piece in the Athletic this week. We'll get onto the game against Burnley a little later here on the View from the Lane. I must say, Charlie, I, I, as a geek, and I am, um, I was really impressed. I think if the you know when the Queen's Award for geekdom comes comes along. Um, and I'm sure you'll win other awards as well, but I think you're right. You'll be on the podium with a piece you've written this week about Spurs' corners. Um, because not only have you watched all the corners Spurs have taken this season, but you've cut them down to the various kinds of corners, the various ways they failed. And they have failed because, I want to talk about the corners now. Am I right in saying, if I remember, recall reading your piece 24 hours ago, they are the worst corner takers in the Premier League. Hats off. Congratulations, everybody. <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I thought I, I sort of positioned it as, you know, from the team that brought you the goal-scoring drought and the shots-on-target drought, <laughs> next up, it's the goals from corner droughts. Yeah, they, well, they're joint with United. Uh, they're the only two teams that haven't scored Proud from the corner boast. this season. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, they're naught for 62. Um, so what I did, yeah, I watched them all and kind of was totting up, didn't beat first man, cleared, led to a chance, uh, and this sort of thing. And... Because partly we were curious to know, are they just being unlucky? Are they creating a lot of quite a few chances, but not scoring? Or are they just taking some quite crap corners? Uh, and it's more the latter, to be honest. And part of the problem is the lack of variety. I mean, Son takes so many of them um, because they don't really have a left footer they can rely on. So he kind of does in-swingers and out-swingers, Son. Obviously, last year they had Lamella and Bale, so at least they have those options. So LaSalle, and, and, and what I had to do as well to watch to do this piece was watch that LaCelso corner <laughs> against Everton. Yes, so I what, what I call, it, the, I call the P45 corner, because he, <laughs> he would have had his marching orders as he as he was making his way back to the to his position, whatever position he's supposed to be playing these days. I'd have been on the pitch with the, with the piece of unemployment legislation to, to move him on, but you know... I the suppose ball, uh, did, didn't, it, it, did it make the penalty area, Charlie? You've it did, it. yeah. So I've ah. got a screenshot actually of where the ball, the, the ball lands. There's nowhere near the, the nearest Tottenham player. Yeah, it, or, or nearest Everton. So there's about 10 plus yards for te- Tom Davis to wait for the ball to come to him once it's bounced. And it barely gets off the ground, but it does creep into the penalty area. I described it as possibly the worst corner in the 150 plus years of uh, association football. And I think that's probably fair. Um, and I've played a lot of Sunday League. Um, but yeah, so they, so they do have problems with this. But luckily, like with seemingly everything, it transpires that Conte is a sort of corner whisperer. And while Spurs can't score from corners, his inter-team scored 21 in two seasons in the league, which, to put into context, that's an average of 10.5. Liverpool have topped that tally in each of the last two seasons with 11. So that would put them right up there uh, as the best team in the Premier League. And watching, and then I had the joy of then watching how to take corners and what they do. I mean, admittedly, they had some big old centre-backs. So some of them are just good Screen delivery, yard, good cetera, header. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. But some are some really nicely worked routines where they kind of pack the box to open up the space on the edge of it, go short, then play someone who waits on the edge of the box to either score or dink in across. So, so hopefully Conte could bring some of that energy to Spurs. Hold on, hang on. Let me just go, beep, beep. Let me just reverse back. And somebody scored from a short corner routine. <laughs> Quite a few, yeah. I mean... Oh, I, hold on. I, if, I was, if, Con, if Conte can get Spurs scoring goals from short corners, that, that will honestly be better than like winning the Premier League. <laughs> that would be more of an achievement. 
Will that end the trophy drought in your... Yeah. That, that yeah, is yeah. a trophy drought, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. From a short corner. Yeah. And I, I think you could sell... Well, no longer DVDs, are there? You could sell um, streaming and downloads uh, <laughs> of the short corner routine that led to a goal very happily. NFTs. That's a Spurs fan. Uh, oh, yeah. Fungibles. Absolute fungibles. Somebody will have to take me aside one day and explain about the fungibles. I'm not sure I, I, I'm really across them yet. I mean, James, without getting too philosophical... How important, of course, because when I hear that Liverpool were getting 12 goals a season, because I, I presume these days that nobody ever scores from a corner. The best you've got is a shirt-pulling penalty. It's your best chance of scoring from a corner. Um, it does seem like a million years since Alderweireld might have headed one in. Yeah. yeah was yeah. that the last one, Charlie? I think it was in the piece, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. One, he... one towards the end of last season. Was it Leicester, no, maybe? His wasn't the last. His last one was against Leeds in January. Oh, yeah, that's right. But then Leicester, there were actually two on the final day. Oh. Uh, one was the Kane volley and one was Kasper Schmeichel coming out and just missing the ball, which isn't yeah. probably a sustainable route. But yeah, they scored seven from corners last season. I mean, and- what I would say about that is that those, those 12 goals for Liverpool over two seasons, when Liverpool probably scored about 180 goals, sure, have, would have less value than Spurs scoring a couple from corners this season would because Spurs have scored obviously so few goals. That. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it when you're having quite a, sh- a big difference, you know, you chuck, chuck one of them. You know, they'd scored that La Celso one at the end of the Everton game. That's two extra points. But that, but that's uh, tr- that, that, that jumped out of me as well. That that sack about Liverpool, uh, James, because um, I would have thought that their their corner stats would have fought, fallen off one season next because of the season long injury to Van Dijk, who is clearly brilliant, yeah, heading yeah, the yeah. ball in both penalty areas. Um, and I hope he gets back from his injury because he still, to me, looks a little bit hobbled uh, at the moment. Um, but they didn't. They they carried on without Van Dijk. Still got the goal. So something they're doing is right. Um, well, they do have Trent. I mean that 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 yeah. phenomenal delivery. Yeah, obviously it is delivery as well as just who's in the box. And also, if you remember the game Spurs played at Anfield last December, it's also the possibility of a little foul off the ball that. Uh, mm. Yeah, is it? Can it, help. I mean, Spurs that would get on to them in a little while. Spurs are playing Burnley uh, next in the Premier League, and that's always a brilliant test for your corner taking both uh, at both well, ends yeah. of the pitch, particularly yeah. defensively, isn't it? Because they line up all their big lads. Let me just think. They're all big lads. Perhaps McNeil <laughs> is not quite as savage as the rest of them. And 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 just pile it on top of the goalkeeper. Bless them. And uh, it's been working for years. We shall see. They're up there for goals scored from corners. Yeah, and they've they scored be. a league-high six-headed goals this season. So that will be a test, certainly defensively. And yeah, offensively. Although I think Tarkowski's suspended. but um, And Barnes is not fit either, yeah, which is yeah. great. Uh, we'll get on to the preview. But, uh, yeah. you know, I mean, I love him. Uh, he has replaced... Um, uh, short, what, was his, what was Davis at Bolton's first name? I can't remember his name. Kevin, Kevin, Kevin Davis, Davis yeah. as, the, Kevin as Davis. the dirtiest forward in English football. <laughs> um, and that's a great thing to be. I like my forwards to be aggressive. But uh, Barnes is something else, isn't he? He is, and yeah. When you consider that Chris Wood is only the second dirtiest forward in the team, <laughs> I mean, that is, I mean that, is, that is something to be proud of, isn't it? Um, and of course, Sean Dyche would have loved to have battled these two. He knows what centre-halves don't need. They don't need. You don't need those two elbowing you in the ribs at corners and things. So we'll come on to that, sir. Any conclusions about corners that either you want to draw, in particular, emphasis on the Spurs? I just want to say, uh, I was going to offer an apology to Christian Eriksen because he was much lamented for his delivery from corners down the years. When obviously he was trying to do that, that very difficult thing of, of putting it in flat at the near post. Yes. And Spurs did score a few times like that. Dyer, um, Dyer used to get the occasional... Yeah, Dyer and yeah. 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 Well yeah. would get a few yeah. at the near post like that. And obviously when it doesn't work, it looks really bad. Not quite as bad as that Lacelso one, but you know, you hit the first <laughs> man and they clear it quite easily. <laughs> but clearly that is better than what Spurs have got now, which is Son taking corners that actually 
generally probably don't look as bad, but I guess are far less effective. Like they're, the delivery they're, looks, they're floaty, they're looks floaty better, aren't they? And that's yeah, the but, I, but obviously it's not it's not a good ball to score a goal from. So, somebody, sorry, I, I, I've decided not to stop talking about corners now. Somebody help me with this. Um, the, uh, the the reason people aim for the near post, we understand, is that um, Arsenal back in the day developed the uh, the, the idea of the near, the near post to either flick into the goal or to hit the flick on, which is impossible to defend. And so that is the POMO now, the position of maximum opportunity. But that was 20 years ago. Except for everybody lining up in a line, uh, the so-called bus queue that they do, why, why don't people... The corners are such a huge feature of, of association football, as you describe it, Charlie. Why hasn't there been more innovation about what to do with the blinking things? Barcelona took quite an interesting one, didn't they? I think on Tuesday night or Wednesday night, whenever they played in the Champions League, all the players kind of huddled together on the edge of the box... And then only kind of surged into the box right at the last second. Yeah. Presumably that was the kind of throw Benfica off the centre bit, so people couldn't be marked, couldn't be picked up. But it didn't work, obviously. So, yeah, there but, you go. But that thing, Danny, like there is a, it still is that that area, that near post area, is where the majority. That's the best place to score from at corners. So that is the kind of high risk, high reward. You go in that, you know, and that's why you can look really stupid because it needs to be precise. And if you and if you don't, and you beat the first man, that's obviously seen by fans as a kind of cardinal sin. But that is why you do it. And I remember speaking to a keeper about this, and he said it's a, that area is a nightmare because there's nothing really you can do. You're reliant on your defenders, so keepers hate it. But I know what you mean about the innovation. I mean, I'm trying to think of, of sort of patented routines. Unless you that do teams what Liverpool done. did in that game against Barcelona in 2019. Yeah, yeah. But it feels like you need quite a specific set of yeah, that, that's, to make that happen. <laughs> and can I just. You could probably only do that once. Uh, and with I my, guess Sheringham and Anderton, that was a big thing, wasn't absolutely, it? Absolutely, yeah. Which yeah. they did for England that's as well. Right, yeah, really. That was a beautiful thing because, of course, everybody is looking out for the ball in the air, and if it comes across mm. at, at knee level, and, and if you've got a good enough volleyer um, to put it in, yeah, that was a, a, a good innovation. Can we just make a point here as well, without getting accused of being a Harry Kane fanboy, how lucky Spurs are to have him defensively? I yeah. mean, every corner and free kick, I, mean, I don't mean every, Charlie will no doubt have the stats to hand, but he must head clear somewhere north of 50% of, of all the balls into Spurs' box from um, set pieces. It's always him. I say he's yeah. generally in that area, isn't he? Front, because yeah, 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 yeah. he's exactly. so good at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Drogba used to do that for Chelsea. Brilliant as well. at it as Same well. Thing. Yeah. Peter Crouch could be relied upon it as well. Mm. But it, I mean, more obvious then, wasn't he? You just had a lighthouse um, in, front, in front of your goalkeeper. Um, but Kane is really, really um, diligent, except for the goal at West Ham, of course, when he was still sulking and the diligence um, disappeared for a while. But he is very, very, very good at that. We'll have a quick break. When we come back, and we're going to attempt um, three men who I suppose could put get together the, the price of a round between them if we're in a pub in London. We're going to attempt to unpick Spurs' financial results. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
Yeah, welcome back, everybody, to The View from the Lane. It's me, Danny Kelly. James Moore is with us as well. And Charlie Eccleshare, live from uh, Slovenia. Very, very nice indeed. Look, I'm not sure how, how much use we can make of these, but Spurs' financial figures are out. It always strikes me a bit odd that football clubs all release their figures at different times, so you can't mm. really compare and contrast easily. But these, of course, are the ones for the plague year. Spurs have posted a £50 million, pound, sorry, an £80 million, pound, it's gone up while we're speaking, an £80 million pound pre-tax loss, and the net debt of the club has now risen to £706 million, pounds, which, of course, uh, sounds pretty alarming, but so much of it is spread out over the next 50 years, thanks to uh, Daniel Levy's acumen, I suppose you'd call it, um, that it's not quite as panic as that. Does anybody have any feeling for what these figures mean? If they are they good, bad? I mean, they're bad, but in relation, you know, the value. If there's a, if there's a, a financial crash and your value, your house goes down by fifty percent, it sounds terrible. But of course, next door's is down as well. If you want to mm. buy a new house, it's not such a problem. Does anyone have a relative feel for what these figures mean at all? The sense I've always been given from speaking to football finance experts is very much that. Uh, every club is being is being hammered by this and of all the clubs that they would trust to navigate their way through it as well as possible Spurs are right up there so whilst the figures of as you say you know if you if you don't take in that pandemic context yeah you could be like these are alarming especially from a couple of years ago when Spurs were in such rude health but I mean you know look look at match receipts they were 94.5 million for the period up to the end of June 2020 they were 1.9 million for this figure that we're for this period that we're talking about that alone is is you know what that's 92 million that kind of area so clearly that's something that we hope anyway is going to change big time and Spurs as we well know are more reliant than pretty much anyone on match day revenue and the revenue from events like gigs NFL matches etc etc so obviously they're bad but there are going to be some pretty bleak financial results coming out so I think in that context it's it's probably better than a lot of other clubs do you do you are you comforted by that James that analysis uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, I do think you have to look at it in the broader context of uh, of the pandemic and also the Premier League. And I suspect, as Charlie says, there are going to be one or two clubs who are probably going to be making similar losses that won't be immediately able to kind of claw that kind of figure back in match day revenues over the next year. I mean, I know it's not quite as simple as that for Spurs, obviously, but those two figures do kind of align quite neatly, don't they? The eighty yeah, million, pretty loss, much exactly, yeah. Ninety-five, well, sorry, eighty-five. Sorry, was it difference in match day revenue over the two years? So, uh, you know, though they'll lose money from, uh, they won't get anything like as much from European competition this season yeah. and TV because obviously TV money's not going to hit. Yeah. yeah, one offset. One thing that was offset was the fact that they um, there, there were so many games were televised in this period, so much more than. Well, I guess from next year there'll be the new US. TV deal, won't mm. it? Which I guess, well, I mean, it, again, it's not going to like fill the gap completely, yeah. but it will kind of bump it a bit. So, and Spurs uh, maybe in the Champions League. Yeah, uh, uh, it's okay. So I, I'm not, uh, not feeling that it's been. A, uh, you know, it's a disaster, but it's a small D disaster, not a big D disaster. These figures, and of course, they are all relative to everyone else. And I don't have to pick up the phone to Adele to ask her to do a series of charity concerts for Spurs, which was my plan B <laughs> if Levy had lost control of the finances during the pandemic. I'm sure she would have loved to have done it. There's also little, little snippets in the chairman's um, statement um, of other news, really. And um, the, the, the amount of money that the club has lost hasn't been reflected in the, the money they're putting in, uh, allocating to the women's team. That seems to have been ring-fenced, which is a good thing. Yeah, really good thing, especially 
you know, given how well they performed this season, and if, if that, but don't you know, lose to say. West Ham. Come on, girls. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I mean, it's they, they've they've been brilliant, and if people want, I, I found it really interesting. I got to talk to their head coach, Rianne Skinner, who was brilliant to chat to. And there's a piece on the Athletic, uh, if you're new or haven't read it, kind of lo- looking at what they've done, and it, and it is a, a really big turnaround. And I think. You know, there were a lot of eyeballs on that team last season because of Alex Morgan. Obviously, she wasn't actually sure. there for very long. But the team have really kicked on. Um, and, and that yeah, that is a really encouraging thing to see. It's quite interesting in, in WSL, isn't it? Because Man City are having a like really bad season and it kind of feels like they're in a bit of a crisis. And suddenly, now there are three Champions League places in that league. Arsenal and Chelsea obviously end up being miles ahead. But that, that, yeah. that third place could be up for grabs. And actually, that, you know... That could be quite a big thing for Spurs to be in that if they can get over the line. I mean, I think they're fourth at the moment. It's quite it's, a big opportunity. Yeah, having a bad season. It's really similar to the Premier League in the sense that there are those four spots and we all thought they'd be taken by the inverted commas big four, but United doing what they're doing <laughs> opens up that spot. So in, in both both uh, leagues, it feels like there's opportunity. I mean, it's amazing, isn't it? From um, being aware but not particularly interested in women's football whatever number of years ago it was, um, and now this morning, we're, oh, Leicester have sacked their manager. You know, I'm, mm. kind, of, I'm kind of, who's going to get the job at Leicester? Um, let, yeah. me, let me ask you, uh, I hope uh, not an impertinent question. Um, given that the most, let's say Spurs are a good example, the, the women's club is a recent uh, uh, addendum to the activities of the football club. Is it okay to support Spurs' men's team and a different women's team? Uh, it depends Ooh. who it is, surely. Are you? Is this a specific? No, no. I do not, for example, support Arsenal's women's team. But um, given that it, that it is a, a new thing for most of us who grew up supporting the men's team, it's not just Spurs. Any any club, is it okay to support a different women's team? I mean, I suppose if you had like a long-standing, if you like had supported uh, another women's Doncaster team, Doncaster Bells, like yeah, years, yeah, or whoever. Mm. I mean, uh, yeah. When Spurs were clearly not really putting much money into the women's or team. Or didn't have so a women's team. A didn't have yeah. A, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, it wasn't a properly affiliated with the club, was it? Because um, um, you could make your own yeah. half and half scarves then, couldn't you? With your, the men's <laughs> team you support and the women's team you support. No, obviously, I'm right behind th- I'm right behind the Spurs girls now. Trust me. I think it women, would be quite you know, easy. Yeah. I think you could do it if it was a kind of, or it would seem more uh, acceptable to, if you supported a women's team that weren't a kind of, in the on the men's side of Premier League rival, that would make more sense. I think it'd be quite weird to support the Everton women's team. <laughs> I just asked because it occurred to me that you would have had this choice before Spurs had uh, yeah. either any women's team or, as they have now, a high-profile uh, women's team. Um, and as I say, I was, I was all about them until they managed to look, to spoil their unbeaten run by losing to West Ham. And that at least you could say they are very Spursy. Uh, the women's team are equally Spursy. It's very good indeed. All right, that's the that's the finances. Um, those of you who are hoping there for some hot tips uh, for investing uh, in the financial markets, sorry to you. Um, <laughs> let's move on then to um, the future. We we will have had the Europa Conference League game, and hopefully, you know, uh, most of the first team will get rested for that. Even though I think Spurs should, t- I know I'm the only person in Britain who thinks they should take it seriously. I think it might be, uh, and the numbers of that club might have doubled since Antonio Conte got there, uh, came into Spurs. But we have to play Burnley then. This is a very interesting fixture to me because um, they are the classic test for Spurs, aren't they? Of Spurs teams over the years, where you would say. 99% of the time Spurs have had better players, um, but the results don't always reflect that because Burnley bring, and I've got, and uh, please 
Nobody listen to this. There is no judgment in this at all. I have no, I don't care how people play football. There's a million ways to skin that cat. I have a personal preference how I want to watch football. That's a different thing. I want to see people playing faster, aggressive, dynamic, front foot, attacking football. It's what I grew up on and that's what I like. But I'm equally aware um, of some of the great defensive teams I've liked over the years. But Burnley, James, they are, they on paper, they always look like a particular problem for Spurs teams because if they're not up for it, they'll just get steamrolled, won't they? I mean, it's funny you say that because when Spurs went to Burnley last season, uh, I think it was the game after that free all draw against West Ham where clearly Spurs had a few defensive issues. And it was like the it was the start of Mourinho just going completely completely all out defensive. And they won that game 1-0 with a goal from a corner, ironically, mm. given what we were ah. saying before. Um, so I think if there are any Burnley fans that are listening to this, they may have a, a, you know, a wry smile at the idea of us suggesting Spurs are this you know, swaggering <laughs> footballing side and, and Burnley are just cloggers because it, it probably wasn't quite the other way around in that game, but it, it, Spurs were certainly not swaggering that night. Yeah, these, these games always do feel like a challenge for Spurs, no, no matter what state they're in. Even, even at our peak, it's kind of felt like that. You know, like going there and winning felt like an achievement, and I think there was a game one year, maybe December twenty seventeen, they won three 0 I think Kane scored the hat trick. Yeah. yeah, yeah, just that, before that's Christmas. Like, but that feels like the only, like the exception is the only kind of comfortable win up there that that they would have had. But, yeah, but, so it is it is quite unquite a difficult. Is it is it the new Stoke? Is it as close as we've got to that, Charlie? This feels it, like in your sort. It of probably wheelhouse. is. Yeah, although again, it hasn't been a difficult place to go. For like the last year, they've got a really bad record. They've got already, haven't they got quite a bad home record against like the the big six? Certainly, Spurs, yeah. Spurs. Wasn't it Spurs, that, that game that Spurs lost in twenty nineteen when Pochettino lost his yeah, mind? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on to that in a minute. That was like the only game they'd won against one of the big six for like two and a half years or something until relatively recently. I think that that would make sense because again, like Arsenal is like Spurs are seen as a kind of soft touch and they're going to go and find turf more incredibly difficult. In actual fact, they've got a really good record there and, and, and Spurs do as well. But it, but again, in those games like with Spurs, it is always a kind of one nil and you, and by the end of it, you feel absolutely bruised and battered. Well, it's, um, and I, they're going to have to run and they're going to have to fight for the ball because if you don't do that against Burnley, I mean, you're right to point out that the results don't support a narrative of you know how difficult it is to go at Turf Moor. But we know every away game in the Premier League, I mean, sorry, this sounds like a blinking football cliche, Adam will be coming down um, a ton of bricks, but every away game, but every team, unless you're in the kind of form Chelsea are in, every away game is murderously difficult. And that's why the league is so fantastic to watch. Um, and Burnley, without making it a fortress, football cliche, um, they, they have been difficult they're in, and they're in a bit better form. But what I want to talk about briefly here, and I'll get the latest from you, from Charlie, I'm sure you know. Um, we talked about Burnley's important injuries and absentees through suspension um, and hurtiness. But the, the news about Romero, to me, it, I mean, how mm. bad is his injury? Well, we don't yet know the full extent of it, but there are concerns. I mean, Conte mentioned this and from what I'm hearing, there are worries about it. And that would be such a blow. It really changes how you view that defence. Because I think if you've got him, you've kind of got a, a talisman to build the defence around and you hope that the other players come up to his level. Suddenly you take him out and you're back basically to the same options they had last season without Alderweireld. And that is, uh, yeah, that, that, that is a big concern. I mean, he was just starting to really exactly. look... Exactly what they need. You know, obviously we, we've talked about his, his rashness and all of that. To an extent that may not go, but... He did give them a bit of attitude, um, so that that is a really big blow. And I mean, the other one who I know 
there'll be a lot of eye rolls at this point is Lo Celso. Um So, yeah, I mean, it's... Uh, that, yes, that Romero is, a, is the big worry. One more opportunity for Jack uh, to somehow shoehorn, shoehorn him into the Spurs team goes by because he's not available. <laughs> um, and uh, well, I, I mean, I, hope, I don't know how serious his injury is, but he can probably practice corners at the very least um, back, back at the training <laughs> ground in Turkey Street, as I like to think of that that part of Enfield. I mean, James, I'm, we're, we're, we're making light of it here, but Romero has been the most fun Spurs player to watch so far this season but and I think uh, Charlie's right I think every game he has another three percent settled into the uh, pace speed same same thing really Danny um, the, the whole business of the Premier League so much so that in the recent weeks he's found time to do proper shit housing as well hasn't he so um, it's, he's a horrible of all the players who could have got injured with the exception of Kane, of course, doesn't score, but heads away corners. Uh, th- this is the one I would least like to see laid up for any length of time. Yeah, and also, you know, having, having mentioned the, the kind of physical nature of Burnley's front line, it would have been exactly the kind of game he would have he would have mm. relished that that physical challenge, wouldn't he? I guess the, the one thing I'd say uh, as a slight positive is it's probably a slightly better time for him to be out given, and I, know, and, I, and I say this with no disrespect, and obviously there's still all the potential for Spurs to lose these games, but Burnley, Brentford, Norwich, I think are the next three games, and I know, mm. you know, it sounds like this injury is going to be a longer term thing than that, but, I mean, get results in the next three games, maybe even keep a couple of clean sheets, and that you would, you would hope would at least give some confidence to the guys who are going to be taking his place, and sort of set them up to have a bit of a run on the side without feeling completely inferior. Incidentally, James, you're not at a manager's Thursday afternoon press conference. You don't have to be respectful to the upcoming opponents. <laughs> um, and I, I've been around football mo- most of the second half of my adult life. I just want one time the press conference. Um, and there's Dave... Dave MacArthur, the manager of, of Team X, and he's asked about the uh, Saturday's opponents. And instead of saying, oh, very difficult team, we'll be, we'll be hard-pressed, we'll be really have to play, everyone will have to play eight and a half out of ten to get any kind of result there. Why doesn't he just lean back in the chair and go, well, these are shit, aren't they? We'll have these. We really will have these. Because that's what they win. say in real life. Come on, one time. <laughs> just admit that you're playing a rubbish team and if your lads are up to it, you, you should win 6-0. I do think that with, certainly with Barnes being out, for Burnley are a team that lack, a lot, lack cutting edge. And, what, and as we've said, what we've often seen in these games against the bigger teams for them at home is that they give you this horrible afternoon, but they do struggle to create chances themselves. And I think that's a big bonus for Spurs, especially without Romero. And they, they had that obviously against Leeds. Leeds were missing a few players, and and sometimes you need just that little bit of luck. I know they've had some un, they've had some bad luck with injuries, but yeah, maybe. Well, you know, you know you're Conte right. coming in, you know, Westwood is usually important. He's not Westwood he's, as well. Absolutely, they're basically missing their spine. They are, yeah, they are. Um, so yeah, you know, you th- you think that's just a little bit of a bonus, um, yeah, for Spurs coming into it. Well, th- I mean, and. Something is going on at Burnley as well because that three-three draw with Crystal Palace—that is not the last home game. In fact, that is not your typical <coughs> Burnley performance. So we'll see which one of them turns up. Which takes us—and I'm glad you mentioned it, um, James—the game in 2018-2019, in where once again Spurs were in and around the upper echelons of the mm. Premier League. They went to Burnley, lost one nil, was it? Um, 2-1 Kane scored put them on a lot one of the goals then was a corner that was given to Burnley 
and they scored from a corner, which was clearly a goal kick to Spurs. And Maurizio Pochettino, who people will say, oh, he was always so cool. I mean, I'm not so sure about that. In the latter stages of his time at Spurs, I thought he got very, very prickly about things. But definitely that was the first time we'd ever seen him march onto a pitch and confront the officials and proper face-to-face confronting. Do we have any lip readers among us? Do we, did we have any secret athletic microphones? Do we know exactly what he was saying to Mike Dean? This has been one of those things that I've been like fascinated by for the, for the last two and a half years because it felt, it felt like such a key moment. That kind of felt like... And, and, you know, it's very easy to read too much into these things, but that did feel like the moment where... It really did unravel Pochettino and clearly, as we've said before, they got to the Champions League final despite this bad run in the league. But that defeat, I, I think memory may be playing tricks, but they could have gone top of the league if they'd won that game or something like that. I don't think it was wrong. That, I think It was it certainly was they, at the point at the start of the year where they had kind of been up there. They had that yeah. win at Everton just before Christmas and things were looking Ooh. quite good. They lost the game to Wolves at Wembley and... That might well, have been the one actually where they could have gone top. Maybe. Yeah, that that was the one they could have gone top, and they were suddenly in the title mix. What happened here was they just lost to Chelsea. They lost this, then they lost to Southampton the following week. They'd had the North London derby where they got the the sort of let off of the Miss Pen, but they'd gone from being quite far ahead of Arsenal to then suddenly looking like they might not even get top four. It was a, it was a real wobble, and I remember the week after the Southampton game, being covering that game and Pochettino saying it, like really laying into the team in a, in a way that was quite eye-catching like God, he, that he clearly felt the need to do that like it, it, that this was part of the yeah the, the moment at which their league form which was awful I was like what 25 points from 24 his last 24 games or something like that and this was and their away form just the disappeared completely yeah they couldn't yeah. win away yeah. and in fact the away the away run that uh uh, led up to the, the sacking of Maurizio Pochettino and we could have been doing the um, shots on target statistics similarly. <laughs> similarly. Um, you could have grown a new forest in the time Spurs hadn't won away from home. Uh, it, it yeah. was, uh, uh, so we, we don't know um, what Maurizio was saying, but I, I dare say it wasn't very, very complimentary. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. 
Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Yes, I was going to talk about um, Ryan Sessignon for a second there, but I'm not going to do that because it means that we have got through uh, an entire edition of The View from the Lane without mentioning pushed forward wing backs and Antonio Conte. Ah, I said it and now he's spoiled the podcast and we can't edit it out and all the rest of it. Listen, thanks very much indeed um, for the the last uh, hour or so, a little less here on The View from the Lane. That's Charlie Eccleshare and James Moore. Um, We'll be back, of course, on Monday when hopefully we'll be discussing um, Tottenham's easy win with two goals from corners and a hat-trick for Kane, uh, adding up to a 5-0 victory. Um, And, of course, we will then be also looking for various domesticated farm animals uh, to be taking to the air. Yeah, God bless you all, and thank you all for listening. One last thought again, though. Uh, If you're not already a subscriber, you can read... Um, Charlie's piece and indeed all of the Athletics articles in Spurs by going to theathletic.com forward slash Spurs pod take full advantage of our Black Friday week 40% discount offer and you'll also be able to access all of our podcasts without adverts we'll be back as I say on Monday thanks again for listening The Athletic